Thanks, Andrew. Good morning, everyone. My name's Al. Um, I work here at church. I've been studying part-time, and I'm married to the lovely Rochelle, who's in kids at the moment. Um, if you can have the sheet with you the whole time, that would be lovely. I have two here now. Um, if you can have that open with you, that would be lovely, and follow along. Let me pray for us. Oh, go for it. Um, let me pray for us before we begin. Our Heavenly Father, um, you have done amazing things in history. You are still working today. Um, and I pray that as we come to your word now, that you would help us focus, to pay attention to what you have to say. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, about two months ago, two months ago, I was driving along Shenton, um, and and I don't know if you've noticed, there's a new building that's being constructed there, right across the hospital, a multi-story uh, car park or something like that. And I was driving with my wife, Rochelle, and with, with Darren from church, who might be here today. And as we were driving, I had noticed the progress that they had made with the building. And immediately, I yelled, whoa, look at the progress. I didn't say progress, that's probably a bit too fancy, I don't say it like that. Whoa, look at that building. And I pointed to it. And... Um, as I, was, as I was looking and pointing, I also said, they've come so far. And halfway through that sentence, I just hear this bang. And the car shot into the air. And I had driven straight into and through a roundabout. <laughs> right? Um, yeah. Thankfully, we were all fine. We were obviously stunned and shocked. And the front wheel of the rim was bent. But other than that, we were okay. And Rochelle... She turns to me and says, what were you doing? And I say to her, I was looking at the building, right? And poor Darren, he hasn't driven with me in the car since. I asked him last week after church, do you want to lift home? And he said, that's okay, I'm fine. Um, anyway, I made a rookie mistake that day, and luckily I didn't pay the price. And you might ask, why did I hit that roundabout? And a lot of people who know me well will say it's because I'm a terrible driver, but that's not true. The reason I hit that roundabout is because I failed to pay attention to the road. The most important thing that a driver must do. And I failed to do that. And that day could have ended completely differently. And thankfully it didn't. So I consider that day a warning to pay attention. And paying attention in general could be the difference between life and death. It's true for many situations, and here in Hebrews this morning, God is telling us to pay attention to something that is even more important than driving. This is because it's a life or death situation like no other. In Hebrews 2, God says this. This is our main point for today. We must pay attention to Jesus or we will drift. We must pay attention to Jesus or we will drift. Have a look at verse 1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention. So if you look there, it doesn't say it is helpful to pay attention. It doesn't say pay attention if you want. It says we must pay attention. It's necessary and it's essential. So many times when I'm driving off the freeway, I look at my rear view mirrors and I see these big red boards on either side of the freeway. And they say, wrong way, go back. See, those boards are there to stop people from driving onto the freeway in the wrong direction. They're not just there 
for the psyche if you want to pay attention. Now you have to pay attention to them, it's necessary. And a few years ago, some guy completely ignored those boards and drove onto the freeway. And I don't know if you can imagine what it looks like when two cars are driving into each other at 100 k's an hour. See, those boards are there because you have to pay attention to them. That's why they're huge and red. And this passage this morning is a bit like those red boards. Huge and red. And it says we must pay attention. And the obvious next question is, to what must we pay attention? Look at verse 1 again. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. See, if you're a Christian, there's something that you've heard before. It's probably, so it's probably something that you've heard a thousand times by now in your life. The writer of Hebrews says, pay attention to that. In chapter 1 of Hebrews, the writer has told us everything that we have heard, or he summarized what we have heard. And that's why he starts verse 1 with the word, therefore. Right? Verse 1, therefore, we must pay much clo attention, closer attention to what we have heard. Let's, let me summarize for us what he says in chapter 1. And, and, and everything he says in chapter 1 is about Jesus. He says this, Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. The exact imprint of his nature. Jesus is God the Son. The Son to whom the universe belongs. The Son through whom the universe was spoken into existence. And the Son who upholds the universe by his word. Jesus is the Son of God. And if you read Hebrews 1, that's not even the most amazing thing about Jesus. The most amazing thing is that he became a man, a human being. And he did that to accomplish something. And Jesus accomplished something that completely changed the course of history itself. And the writer of Hebrews spends 13 chapters talking about how significant this one thing is. The whole Bible spends chapter after chapter about how significant this event is. Right? Do you know what Jesus accomplished? Do you know what makes him so impressive? Why chapter after chapter is written about him? Let me tell you. Jesus died. That's weird, right? Jesus died. That doesn't sound like much of an accomplishment. But the Bible thinks it is. So it is an accomplishment. Or it might not be. Unless, unless his death means something. Unless the death is actually what accomplished something. And that's exactly what Jesus himself thinks. Have a look on the screen. It's going to be Mark chapter 10. This is what Jesus thinks about his death. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, the God of the universe didn't come, become a man in order to get from us. He became a man in order to give, to serve, to serve by giving his life as a ransom for many. See, what Jesus says here is actually just mind-blowing, and you'll miss how significant it is if you don't understand why he died. See, the Bible teaches that we deserve eternal punishment for the way we have acted. And many people, when they hear that they deserve eternal punishment, they don't want to accept it. 
No one wants to accept it. But we don't want to accept it because our idea of wrong and right is skewed. It's inconsistent and it's flexible. So let me give you an example of it. So when I drive on the freeway, sometimes I'm driving like 104. And I tell myself, it's only 104. Like, it's only a little bit over, you know. That's, that's okay. Like, why is it 100 anyway? Why is the freeway not 110? Who makes these rules? One thing I never say to myself is like, I hope you get caught. I hope there's a camera right there that catches you. I never say that. But the next day, I'm driving on the freeway, I'm driving 99, and someone comes whizzing past me, and I go, I hope you get caught. <laughs> I hope there's a camera right there. See, I break my own standard of right and wrong. I twist it so that it fits me. See, as people, we believe that the, the punishment fits the crime, except when it comes to us. We want others to be caught for speeding, but not ourselves. And the Bible says we deserve punishment because we have broken God's consistent and good standard. God expects us to love, to love with all our heart and love the people around us like we want to be loved. But we have failed. We have broken that law. And God has even given us our consciousness to bear witness that we have broken that law. But what do we do when we fail to love? Well, we point to someone else. See, God says to us, we must love. For example, we must love our wives. And we fail to love as we ought. But so what do people do when they fail to love their wives? Well, they look at the newspaper and they say, see, that guy who abused his wife, well, he deserves hell. He deserves it. And you know what? You're right. He deserves punishment. But don't forget about yourself. We have also failed to love our wives, as we ought. Sure, it's not to the same degree, but we failed. So you might have yelled at your wife and said things in your anger. Or you might get frustrated and think bitter things. Or you might even just get home and plonk down on the couch and ignore her. Right? Either way, we have failed to love as we ought. And God will repay every human being for what they deserve, for what they have done. And he says, everyone deserves eternal punishment. And death is God's reminder to the world that that punishment is coming. But, and this is the but that all Christians love, but God became a man. Not to give us what we deserve, but to give us exactly what we don't deserve, something that we're completely unworthy of, to give his life for ours. So if you want to see how serious God takes sin, then look at Jesus dying on the cross. If you want to see how much God loves you, you also look at the cross where Jesus died. See, at the cross, Jesus swapped places with us. His life was a ransom to pay the debt that we owe. So when Jesus was crucified, he was crucified for us. When he was abandoned to death, he was abandoned for us. When he was punished, not for his own sin, it was for our sin. He did this because he loves. See, when you love someone, you'd rather see yourself suffer than that person suffer. Jesus suffered for our sake. 
See, we fail to love how we ought to, but Jesus has loved us despite our failures. See, when the writer of Hebrews says, pay attention to what you have heard, he's talking about the good news of Jesus Christ, about what he accomplished on our behalf. He's talking about Jesus, and surely he is worth our attention. We must pay attention to what we have heard, or we will drift. And the writer in Hebrews gives us two reasons why we should pay attention. They're in verse 2 to 4 for us. Uh, They're going to come up on the screen. The first reason is this. We must pay attention to Jesus, because without him, there is no escape. Have a look at verse 2 with me. For since the message declared by angels, angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? See, the message that God spoke through angels was the message of the Old Testament given to Moses, and that message pointed people to their need of Jesus, of the coming of Jesus. But you know what they did? What they did to this reliable and sure message, they transgressed it. Or they disobeyed it. But they did receive a just retribution. See, if you read the Old Testament, God did not overlook transgressions or disobediences. Even God's elected people, the Jews, were judged. No one escaped. His just just retribution goes to show how reliable and trustworthy the message was. See, the the Old Testament looked forward to the coming of a great salvation. But that great salvation has come in Jesus Christ himself. See, if those who believed in Jesus to come were judged... How will we escape if we judge, uh, if, how will we escape if we neglect the great salvation that has come? And that's exactly what the writer says. He says, "How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation?" See, God has done everything imaginable to save us. The Father so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son to die for us so that we may have eternal life. What is left if we neglect such a great salvation? Well, the only thing left is a just judgment. There is no escape. We will have to face God's judgment without Jesus. See, we must pay attention to Jesus or we will drift. Because without him, there is no escape. I I assume most of us here have watched the show Bondi or heard about the show Bondi Rescue. Anyway, so in Bondi Rescue, it's just, it's just a show following the lifeguards at Bondi Beach in Sydney uh, and all the crazy things that happened there. And um, the beach is actually quite dangerous. People have died there in the past. And so when you watch the show, you, well, I get quite frustrated to see the silly mistakes that people make, especially when the lifeguards warn them, right? frustrates me. But the lifeguards themselves say there's a type of person you don't want on the beach, that they hate to have on the beach. They call these guys the macho guys, right? Once they're in the water, 
and they're close to a rip and get warned, they just ignore it because they're macho, right? But it's just a matter of time and they get caught into the rip. So a lifeguard paddles out and says to them, let me help you. And they go, no mate, I've got it. Right? And they can't do anything. Right? But then again, it's just a matter of time before they start screaming like little kids for help. See, they thought they could escape the rip themselves, that they were smart enough, but they failed. See, Jesus is like those lifeguards. And we are like the macho guys. Without him, there is no escape. He comes to us and he says, let me save you. And we have a choice. We have a choice. Neglect his great salvation and face what we can't escape ourselves or say, save me. See, we must pay attention because without him, there is no escape. Okay, reason number two. We must pay attention to Jesus because there is no excuse. See, so many people don't like the message of Jesus. And it's because it so clearly points out our faults and the consequences of it. See, people love justice, except when they're on the wrong side of justice. And they certainly don't like the message of Jesus that said, he's their only hope. So what do they do? Well, they do what anyone does. They make excuses. They make excuses. They say stuff like, oh, the story of Jesus, that's fake. That never happened. Or the Bible, you can't trust the Bible, it's unreliable. But the writer of Hebrews says there is no excuse for rejecting Jesus. And he gives us three reasons in this passage. Have a look at verse 3. So how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. See, the first reason is, these are the words of Jesus himself. Just like we saw in Mark 10, straight from the horse's mouth. The news about Jesus is reliable because it is Jesus' own words. And the second reason, those words spoken by Jesus in history was attested to by those who heard. There were eyewitnesses. Those who heard it, heard it made sure that only the truth was passed on. See, if you read the Gospels, even the people who killed Jesus, they couldn't deny his words. So what did they do? They killed him. They killed him. They hated the words of Jesus like so many people today. Right? But there were reliable witnesses who passed it on. See, so you look at this passage and you see that even 2,000 years ago, people were concerned for the truth. They were concerned for a reliable message. They, just like us, want something that is trustworthy. And it was written down for us. We're reading it right now. See, we have no excuse because Jesus said it. Because the eyewitnesses confirmed it. And the third thing is in verse 4. God also bore witness. Look at verse 3 again. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. 
So if you look at Jesus and the apostles, you'll see that some amazing things happened in their lives. And this was to show that God was behind it all. And the most amazing thing that God ever did was to raise Jesus Christ from the dead. God says this message is 100% true. 100% reliable. So you put these three things together and what you get is a reliable message. And there is no excuse that anyone can make that will be acceptable before God. So I want to ask you if you've heard of... um, they're called gravity deniers. I don't know if you've heard of those. They're not very popular these days. Uh, but these are people who obviously deny gravity. And they say gravity, it doesn't make sense. And they say it's a conspiracy theory that someone made up. And I hope you're laughing a little bit on the inside because it's a bit ridiculous. I don't know much about gravity, but I know that when I pick this up and I drop it, <laughs> it'll go down, right? See, they can't legitimately deny gravity, yet they still try. They still make excuses and they still deny it. It's the same with the gospel. No one can legitimately deny it, yet people try to deny it. And therefore they have no excuse for rejecting it. The message of Jesus is reliable. Therefore, we must pay attention to Jesus because there is no excuse. See, God in passages like this is warning us because he wants the best for us. Because he is kind. See, he wants us to pay attention to something far greater. To pay attention to something that rescues us from certain judgment. Something that we can fully trust. Someone called Jesus. The one who humiliated himself by becoming a man to die for our sins. So the question we have to ask ourselves for this coming year year, is will we pay attention or will we drift? See, most of us are actually really good at paying attention. The problem is we pay attention to things that aren't important. See, the passage said pay much Closer, closer attention. So the question is, will we pay much closer attention to Jesus or to things that are less important? I'll tell you, there's some things that tempt me to make Jesus less important, to take away from him. The first thing is money. I am tempted to pay more attention to money than Jesus. But Jesus said, don't worry about money. Actually, money will actually take your attention away from me. So I ask myself this question to test myself. What do I open up more? My bank account or the Bible? Because that'll tell me where I'm paying much closer attention. And if I'm not paying the attention that I should to Jesus, I should make some changes. The second thing I'm tempted by is church, which sounds odd. But I'm tempted to make this whole thing about myself when I come here on a Sunday. But Jesus said church is where we come and listen to his word. So I ask myself the question, in the sermon, do I sit there and listen or do I just play on my phone? Or do I time the whole service or do I fix on Jesus? 
and what is being said about him. A few weeks ago, I was driving in the car and I was listening to a Christian radio station and they were interviewing this guy. And what he said about church was quite distressing. He said church is not important. He said you don't have to go to church. Church is only if you want to go. It doesn't really matter. That's exactly the opposite of what the Bible says. Have a look on the screen here. This is what Hebrews says. This is later in Hebrews chapter 10. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing nearer. See, what that guy said was, it was rubbish. God says church is extremely important. It is where we encourage each other and where we focus on Jesus. The same goes for growth group. Anytime when we open the Bible, these things are given from God to help us pay attention as we should. So don't neglect meeting together. That's what the writer of Hebrews says. And one more thing I'm tempted by is by exercising. I know I don't look like it, but I'm tempted by it. And appearances. See, I'm tempted to put more energy into those things than I am into paying attention to Jesus. But Jesus said, bodily training is only of some value, very small. But he said, godliness is of value in every possible way. So I ask myself the question, am I going to spend more energy on exercising or more on Jesus? After spending so much time in Hebrews this past week, I've noted there's noticed there's things that I haven't been doing right. Times when I haven't been paying careful attention to Jesus. And I believe it's the same for us all. We must pay attention to Jesus or we will drift. See, if you don't pay sufficient attention, then you'll just slowly drift away. Slowly. Slowly you'll start paying less attention and slowly you'll drift more. It's a cycle. And this cycle will continue until it is too late. God is warning us with big red signs. Pay attention until it is too late. Unless it is too late. See, like a ship that drifts into a storm that can't escape, or like a ship that drifts into the rocks and can't do anything about it, if we don't pay attention, then we will drift. We must pay attention to Jesus or we will drift. Take a minute to think about these things and I'll pray for us.